what is going on everybody hope you are having a wonderful day so far um yeah on this podcast i've sat down with the one and only camille i apologize profusely because i actually called her the wrong name throughout the whole i called her camille and her actual name's camille so i apologize for that camille um camille is a seattle born producer dj um lived in new york also lived in berlin for the last 14 15 years she writes unbelievable techno um she has been a huge part of the minimal techno scene from back in the day running an insane record label called clink which i didn't know uh, i learned a lot on this podcast about her um yeah i'm gonna stop talking and just let you guys listen to it um towards the end we we're about to close up and then we ended up having another like 20 minute conversation said so stay on the podcast um don't stop it listen to the end it's it's a really good one so without further ado Camille Camille what's cooking hi well, not much I uh, just got back from Colombia yeah I saw that how was it it was super fun yeah that really hotel, really good time that hotel room looked amazing so amazing <laughs> yeah it's it, it was I, I felt like I was living in a in a tropical and an Amazon rainforest, basically. Yeah. Do you, do you play over there often? <laughs> yeah, many times. Uh, I go there. I'm in Colombia. I would say th- three to four times a year. Oh, damn. I've been um, I've been going there for uh, I would say almost 15 years now. Amazing. So I have a yeah, I have a really good relationship with the people. They're amazing. Um, they're super fun to play for. So I've never been. I've, I need to go. No, no, I've, I've, I've not really done much of that part of the world, really. Um, I've done Brazil. And that's about it. Okay, and actually, I have not done Brazil. That's like oh, really? the one I have been to. Yeah, I've always wanted to go, but I've never been. Do I think you... one time I played in Curitiba, but yeah, it I was played many there years as well. Ago. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. <laughs> I played some like random festival, and they lost my luggage. And I had stupidly, this was like at the beginning of my career, stupidly, I was traveling in flip-flops. And I'm not too sure why. Um, You're one of those? (laughs) I'm not one of those, but I clearly was back then. This was was like six, seven years ago. Um, I was in, yeah, flip-flops and sweatpants. And I, it was the days when I would always check luggage. Always, like... Yeah, it was. I think it was like my first tour ever, like proper tour. Yeah, and I didn't. The early days before you figured out not to check luggage. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, so they lost my luggage, and then I had to. It was like beautiful weather, and then all of a sudden, I landed in Curitiba or however you say it, and Mm. it just started raining. And I was playing in a festival, and I think it was like me, Pete Tong. I can't remember who else was on the lineup, but I literally had to like put bags on my feet because I was still in flip flops and was just walking around this festival with bags on my like feet. Literally bags? Literally like black classes? bags. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't slip? No, I kind of took it slow. Um, <laughs> and then DJed in bags because the stage was wet. I was just like, this was, yeah, I can't even remember the. It was like in the middle of nowhere as well. Wow. So random. And then I got back and my luggage was at my hotel and they found it. And I was like, okay, that's better. Wow. 
Amazing. Yeah. I kind of have an allergy to flip-flops on airplanes. (laughs) (laughs) When I see bare feet, I'm just like, no, no. Are you not a foot person? (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't do it for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm actually wearing flip-flops now, but that's that's because it's hot as shit in Detroit right now. And... Oh, shoot. you're in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My um, cool. my studio doesn't have AC, so I have to like wear minimum attire just to like get through the day in the studio. Yeah. It's disgusting. You just inspired me to take my shoes off. Yes. <laughs> this is like only fans. <laughs> I was like, wait, why do I have shoes on right exactly. now? Exactly. <laughs> um, so are you in Seattle right now? Yeah, I'm in Seattle for the summer. Um, I, uh, I I I was in Berlin for the entire lockdown, mm. and I've been living there for 15 years. Yeah. And um, just with not touring for a year and a half, and um, not being with my family, mm. uh, I just needed a break. And um, and I've been touring a lot over here this summer, and yeah. it's just been amazing to be out and reconnecting with friends and promoters that I've been playing for for years, and and just kind of. I don't know, reconnecting with everybody. It was, yeah. it was a really hard, hard time in Berlin because we did that second lockdown. That was, it was like seven months mm. or something. And um, it was just too much. It was super bad for everybody's mental health. And, you know, especially people that were artists that couldn't communicate in the way they're used to communicating yeah. and, you know, um, share themselves. So, so yeah, I decided to come home and um, and uh, tour in the United States for the summer and Central America, and I'm having a great time. It's yeah. been really great. It's a good. I think that's yeah. a good option because Europe right now is still not in a good place. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty nerve wracking yeah. actually yeah. because I don't know. I mean, right now we're in summer, but I don't know what's going to happen as soon as fall exactly. and flu season comes back in with the Delta variant. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful to be out touring again this summer and that it's, it's been so much fun. I mean, I see you're out there too yeah. and it just uh, feels so good, right. Just to be around people and feel the love and give the love and, great i think it's something that like i don't know about you but during lockdown obviously i missed touring um and but i kind of got into like the swing of life without touring, if that makes sense i don't know but i there was always definitely something missing and then now coming back i'm like okay i get it now i understand why i what was missing in my life um but it's still like i don't know i think yeah, I, I it's amazing. Um, but I think the thing that I get weirded out the most is that it's not happening everywhere. It's just here, really, and England and like a few other countries. But there's still the, so the many. Show. Yeah, there's still so many countries. Like I've still got friends. I'm sure you do as well that can't even get into America. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and then, yeah, I. It's, it's just really hard, the whole thing, I think, for artists, especially. Um, how did you feel when you went on your first gig back? Uh, I was curious your experience. It was like, an, um, I'll be honest, like, coronavirus doesn't scare me. Like, it, it really okay. doesn't bother me. Like, I had it, I've had it in, I got it in October. Oh. Um, and don't get me wrong. October 2020? Yeah. 
And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want people to have it. Um, I wouldn't want, yeah. especially like, I don't want anyone to be sick. I don't want some, anyone to get the flu. I don't want anyone to, be, to have pneumonia or anything. I don't want that on people. But right. for me and for a majority of the people I'm around, I'm cool with it. Like, if you got it, yeah, the chances are you're going to be fine. If you know what I mean, if you if you look after yourself. I've, I've, don't get me wrong, I've had some friends that aren't the healthiest and they've had it and it's hit them really hard yeah um, but for me like going back to a show coronavirus was the last thing on my mind the, the like which i kind of try and keep that mentality yeah. because i i really don't want i think enough like we're talking about it now but like and i i don't really talk about it that often um because i think it's everywhere and i i don't think it's i don't think it's the healthiest way healthiest thing to just always be worrying about stuff in the background i think we have to live our lives and obviously you have to live your life safely and you can't ignore what's going on because there is a pandemic going on but i think what we do or for the reason why i do what i do is to make people happy and allow people to escape kind of like everyday worries in in life by playing music um so when i'm going to a show i try to keep that mentality and not worry about it um what about you um well uh actually the first show i had back was i did a few columbia shows in december and they um 2020 and uh they actually had a really super good social um distancing and pandemic measures and fever checks yeah. and all of these things in place so it was a very safe events but they were very small to make yeah. sure that there wasn't going to be um like a super spreader event and that was very respectful and good um and then I started touring again in May and my first show back, I was getting vaccinated the Monday after the first mm. weekend. And I had only done live streams for like five months. Yeah. And it took me a minute to actually remember how to let people back in. Mm. Like it wasn't like I just got up and it was riding a bike. I had, you know, with the live streams, you're doing it all in your imagination yeah. and you're like, you know, connecting with people that you know are going to be there mm. or are there live if it's if it's totally live and you're and you're kind of doing it all in here but you're really having to feed yourself with the energy and your imagination mm. and so when I first got up on the stage in Miami in May um, it took me a second to learn how to sort of emotionally let people back in because yeah. I had been isolated for so long and not around big crowds of people. And I also, when I walked in, I, um, I chose to, um, I had my mask on and then I got in the booth and I just kind of had this moment where I was like, I, I want to take my mask off yeah. and I want to play and I want to, you know, mm. I just, this is what I want to do right now. And I just want to feel the people and feel everything. And I did. And I, I got very, you know, I was very lucky. Um, I got vaccinated on the Monday and um, I still have been healthy the, cool. the whole time. I've never had the virus to my yeah. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it took me that first weekend just to kind of get to used to being around people again and then uh, get used to being around people without a mask on. Mm, yeah. I forgot what breath smelled like. <laughs> 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 so I was like, oh, you had some garlic today. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. Like, oh, you're pretty drunk. You just had a shot of tequila. 
<laughs> so um, I was not prepared for just like how much I was um, smelling everything because yeah. uh, I had been so distanced from people for so long. Mm. So, but it was, it was like riding a bike by the second weekend of touring. I had gotten vaccinated and, um, and I was feeling great and back to normal again. So yeah, it's such a, it is a strange feeling. I don't know for you, but for me that on that first show back, I, that they, I changed my rider, my technical rider. I, I've said this on the podcast before, so sorry to anybody that's heard it. But they changed, so I changed my rider to like all the new Pioneer stuff. But I hadn't actually played. I hadn't actually played with it. So I was the new mixer too. Yeah, the yeah, the V ten. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like that. getting into the. It was it was an outside of outdoors event. It was like five thousand people and. I was just like, oh shit, I don't know how to use these things. <laughs> <laughs> so the first half hour, yeah. I was like nervous, really nervous because there's 5,000 people in front of me. And yeah, and also really nervous because I don't know what button does what. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the, within half an hour, I, I was like, okay, let's let's do this and then i managed to look up and was like okay cool we can have fun now um what's your thoughts on the whole masks and raven it's i i have to be honest this is a really difficult subject for me because um in the last year and a half i think one of the things that i've really looked inward on is evaluating what is freedom and Mm. what is responsibility and um and fundamentally i i do believe especially after having such a severe lockdown in um germany i i i do believe that um people have the right to the freedom of choice whether i agree or not um so um I think it's important definitely to keep people safe, but I also think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, if people are healthy and they're vaccinated, um, that, you know, they should, they should have their freedom of choice and to take their own responsibility for Mm. themselves. They can enter the event if they want, and they don't have to, if they don't want, you know, if they're not healthy, then maybe it's not a good idea to go to a party, um, right now. But I think the, the idea that everything is, I don't know. It's a tough subject for me, to be honest, because I want it to go well and I want it to go. I want everybody to be safe and everybody to have a great time. But I don't know, you know, how much over-regulating everything is going to, in the end, make much of a difference anyway. I mean, I've been playing events all summer that have had no masks, Mm. um, no social distancing, and everything has been okay. There hasn't been, you know, extra spreading of things at parties and and super spreading events and stuff like that um so but i guess in the end i think it's a good idea to to follow whatever the regulations that the government feels is appropriate yeah for that you know it's tough isn't it because everything's so political (laughs) and i think like that's the that's the thing that i struggle with the most about it all because i don't i don't really talk about my political views or just my general views on the world unless something yeah. unless I feel like feel really passionate about something because um, mm. I just don't I, I just don't know if anybody needs to hear me talk about stuff that I probably know nothing about um, and just headline reading 
Um, but it, it's a very strange time that none of us has experienced before. Um, yeah. And I think that I think that the fact that we're all still in the unknown of what the hell's going on in the world makes us all makes a lot of people think that they're professionals and a lot of it gives a lot of power to a lot of people that doesn't necessarily should have the power um, yeah there's a lot of people that tell everyone what they should and shouldn't be doing and, I, and i'm a huge believer of allowing people to make their own decisions in life and whatever's right and wrong to me might not be right and wrong to you or or your beliefs are completely could be completely different to mine but it's also about respecting other people's beliefs as well and and other people's exactly. opinions and i think in this time we've kind of lost that respect for I agree. for a lot of people's kind of opinions um especially i don't know what it's like in germany um but i've noticed it more being back in the us um because in the uk like I find it tell me if I'm wrong but in the UK like it's political but that there's not really a political divide much in the UK it's like you your friend might believe in somebody in um in a different party but all of you're all you're all pretty the same if you know what I mean all your views are pretty the same in America there's such a divide um but then that also comes down to public health there's a divide in everything and i yeah. feel it divides families friendship groups and everything like that and i don't understand why is it this it's not the same in berlin in germany is it is it just an american um, thing or do you find i i think no I, there is a divide um you know, it's usually you know between um more sort of conservative and liberal ideas yeah. um and and there is definitely a divide in Germany. I think not as severe in yeah. the United States. The yeah. percentages, you know, more to people. Um, to uh, Germany, I I really appreciated how everybody got really on board with yeah. with everything, and they followed the 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 um, the guidelines. And and but there was there was definitely some protesters and yeah. anti vaxxers and and these kind of things going on, but not to the extreme that yeah. it was happening in America. But we were also in the middle of a major election as well so a lot um, of things happened in america at that time during covid yeah. didn't it and it would kind of like really change the whole country up um massively yeah. i guess some pros and some cons for sure yeah yeah how sure. how um i want to talk about berlin how the hell did you like 15 years in berlin now back here um how did it all start mm. going to Berlin? What was that? What was that? What was it like in Berlin 15 years ago? Because the wall wasn't long down. Um, well, when I first arrived in Berlin, it was, gosh, 2007 was okay. when I, I got there. Yeah. And um, the city was a much different. When's the last, when was the first time you went to Berlin? I was probably, it was 20 uh 2010 i think okay okay yeah. so not much longer after i had yeah. i mean i can't speak for germans and what they've been through in berlin mm, and rebuilding the city and their experience i um but um 
when I first got there, it was, it was much more raw and there was still, uh, I lived in Friedrichshain, Mm -hmm. um, was the first apartment there and there were still squatter buildings and abandoned apartment buildings that hadn't been, um, taken over and rebuilt. Um, so it was very raw. The, there was all of the old clubs were, um, cheap and free to be as open as long as they wanted and you could get shots for a euro (laughs) (laughs) good old days yeah yeah, it was super fun I mean now it's definitely turned more into a modern kind of metropolis city and it's very different I mean Tesla is coming there really and yeah, yeah, they're building a plant um, there. I think it's on the Lichtenberg side and um, on the other side, closer to where Tegel Airport was. And then Siemens is building like an innovation city. And they've just been tearing down all of these old places that used to be old warehouses where clubs were like Tape Club and mm. places like this and just rebuilding these new modern uh, micro apartment buildings yeah. everywhere. So it's it's changed a lot. Um uh, but it is cleaner, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of like the old raw Berlin. Um, that's what made it so special. And it was the same thing when I lived in New York um, before Williamsburg was built up. It was yeah. also this warehouse artist vibe as well. And I happened to sort of catch Berlin on the tail end of that, which mm. was really great. Did you so. live in Ber- in Brooklyn before Berlin then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So um, basically I moved from Seattle to uh, Brooklyn in 2002 Yeah. on July 4th, actually. And I was really like, I just wanted, I just knew I wanted to DJ. Like that was my dream. I, in Seattle, I would lay in bed and listen to global underground CDs and I would look up at the ceiling and be like, this is what I want to do universe. I want to do this and fantasize. So I knew New York was like the closest I could get to Europe. And since the global underground CDs were coming from London and all of this, uh, so, so amazing. So I actually arrived in New York with um, one record bag and one suitcase. And I knew like one person there. And I remember, and I had no street smarts. I was like a Seattle suburb. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say from Seattle to New York. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was standing in Queens on the platform, on the train platform. And it just kind of hit me. Mm. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is insane. Like this is totally insane. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know what clubs to go to. I knew nothing about New York. I just knew I wanted to be there. So I just, you know, I ended up making friends and, and um, running around begging everybody to play parties for a couple years. Um, And then back then it was like girls, women were getting opening slots basically if we were lucky, Mm. you know, and it was sort of like the supporting act. Um, But then I ended up meeting really great people and getting into sort of the underground Brooklyn scene. And I started clink, um, which blew up really fast. It was my first label I did. And I was like, kind of within months I was getting requests from Europe and I started traveling over there Mm. and then 2006 and once I got off the plane in Berlin, I hadn't even, I was playing Watergate um, mm. and bar 25 yeah. and I just knew I like, I, I don't know. It was beautiful. It was spring. It was June. I think it was during the world cup. It was actually the year it was in Berlin Yeah, and it was just so beautiful and green. And I just felt free right when I got off the, the airplane and, and I knew I was going to move there by the end of the day. 
<laughs> so by the time I was done with my set at bar 25, I was like, I'm moving. I'm in. done. That that yeah. feeling of what you get when you find somewhere that you really want to live is like the best feeling in the world. And I don't know how to explain it. I get it every time I land in New York. Every single time. The minute I yeah. like step yeah, I love I used to live there. I've done like four like a, a stint of four months living there when I was touring initially and but every time I go there I'm like oh I love this place so much. It's so nice there. It's the best. It really is. But it's also changed so much. I mean, mm. I used to live in Fort Greene and Brooklyn to me is unrecognizable. Yeah. Like when you go down to downtown Brooklyn, it's oh gosh, it's, it's so different. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'd, I love I'd, it. I'd never see I'd never been to Brooklyn when it was Brooklyn. I've I've only ever experienced it as how it is now. Um Yeah. Obviously you can go out further and it's still a little bit rawer, but it's Williamsburg, Bushwick and Bedsty and those types of areas. It's pretty gentrified. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more it's more expensive than the city now, isn't it? Which is wild. Like that could be actually. It, yeah, rent rent is more expensive than the city. And you're just like Yeah. This is crazy. But I, I yeah. there's something about it. There's something about New York that I just just love. It's just a, yeah. it's just a vibe. It's just it's it's yeah. But that's what makes it New York. Exactly. That's- you know, exactly. it's there's no city in the world like New York. There isn't. It just feels amazing. There yeah. isn't. But there's again, still, there's there's no city like Berlin in the world. Yes, this is true as well. Um, I still get I played New York twice in the last three months and I still get the vibe. Like when I get off, I, I always th- I always have a little moment where I think to myself, could I live here yeah. again? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so nice. If I was really rich, I would go. I'd be there tomorrow. Fair enough. I, I think yeah. like I just don't want to pay the rent. If I could afford to buy somewhere nice and have a comfortable life there, I'd go. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't want to spend four grand a month on an apartment to for no when i'm never there yeah and then it's like a shoebox apartment it's a micro apartment and you can't write music so then you've got to go get in a i don't know get another studio that's like another thousand to to 1200 bucks you're like five and a half grand a month you could buy a mansion in pretty much any other city and true and yeah i don't know i i will be there one day but it's, <laughs> it's worth it. It's, it's I it mean, it, it is an amazing city to live, but yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Which Berlin is pretty cheap. It is, but it's going up as well. Yeah. But, it's, yeah. I think rent prices have tripled since I moved there Damn. at least. Yeah. It must yeah. have been super cheap when you first moved there then. So cheap. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. were getting like 85 square meter flats for like four. 400 500 bucks uh euros a month it was insane yeah it was super it was super amazing um and it's kind of sad to see it change but i'm also really grateful to have had the experience Mm. because it's inevitable with you know a major city like that and all cities in the world i mean even seattle is getting super super expensive as well it happened to san francisco so i mean I'm just grateful that I got to catch that at, mm, at such a magical time in music and culture and, you know, freedom of movement and dancing. And it was really special. So. I think tech fucks it all up for everyone. Right. It, it Like, yeah, yeah. and I don't like, I love tech if I'm honest. And I think it, it, it does some great things for the world, 
but also it just stifles like any creativity in major cities to a certain extent because it just makes everything so expensive um yeah i yeah i think the earning potential is just so much greater than other jobs and then it kind of creates this you know really big imbalance um so yeah yeah it's tough it's tough so do you (laughs) still have a place out there uh in berlin yeah yeah i have an apartment um in berlin do you have a studio in your apartment yes separate? i do i used to have a studio in Hackershamacht in um in mitta and then i moved it home mm. and then uh and then i had a baby so the the studio got <laughs> turned into the- <laughs> so many stories like this like oh, okay time to time to shut it down so um so i have a i i have kind of a half studio erected mm. in another room in my apartment um and uh and that's been that's been fine. I have my gear hooked up to there, but I'm actually discovering more and more. I like producing um, digitally on my laptop. I'm having mm, a really, really good time with it. Mm. Um, and uh, there's so many great uh, there's so many great plugins and everything now. And the Roland Suite is amazing. And um, so I'm having a pretty good time simplifying my studio more, yeah. um, which is cool. But yeah, I I still like my my gear. <laughs> Wait, did you did you initially start with a load of gear? Was that your kind of like start into production? No, no, actually not at all. Um, the uh, my first thing was a laptop and a sound card, and I think it was Ableton three. Okay. Maybe? Yeah, um, in in my apartment in Brooklyn, and I had a little railroad apartment that I shared. I don't know if you know um, Ambivalent from Minus. We were... Yeah, he, uh, we were roommates and, um, we both loved minimal techno. And so we had a little DJ room where we'd play our <laughs> vinyl and practice, practice for our shows. And, <laughs> and then I had this, little those were the best days, right? Those are the best days when you'd like yeah. play shows to your bedroom wall and like, just have the best time and just imagine what your future is going to oh, yeah. be. I would do like epic four hour sets to my wall. Yeah. To no one. <laughs> And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I've actually, like, oh, I've actually gonna be just, amazing someday. <laughs> I know. I've actually just paid a carpenter to make me a DJ booth um, for my house. And nice. Yeah. I'm like, I haven't had decks in my house since I was 18. I think I stopped, yeah. I, I stopped playing at home and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to have a, fine i need to have my records out i need to be able to play some records when i want to or if i buy records to go and i want to be able to play them Um, yeah so i bought some i bought the pioneer decks the pioneer vinyls which is like the carbon copy of the technics okay cool um so i'm looking forward to getting them out of the box but they've been sat here i bought them right at the beginning of lockdown and then i went to i moved to the back to the uk for lockdown um, yeah. So they've just been sat there for like nearly two years, just waiting to be opened. Amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> I, can't wait. I still have my first turntables. Actually, they made it all the way to Berlin with me. Really? My, I got them in 1999. I got my first techniques, and I still have them. And I even still have my first DJM 500 mixer. Hey. It doesn't. I don't use it anymore. But I just, it just sits there. You know, it kind of off to the side. That's and amazing. I just. 
I can't get rid of it for some reason. You should make it into like some furniture or something like that. I don't know how. Yeah, I could do something with it someday. Or just frame it. (laughs) Like a big... Yeah, like a 3D frame. And then you can just like, (laughs) it look good. Yeah, I... um, I'd never had Technics. I had the Stantons, the straight 150s. And if you're, okay. Do you remember those? Yes. I, 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 <laughs> those I, are tough. <laughs> yeah, they are because the 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 um the motor on them was so powerful. So like, yeah. Every time it wasn't it wasn't like tw- Technics. So every time I played on Technics after, I was like, I can't use Technics because they're just so it's so different. Um, yeah, you're so used to the other pitch adjuster. Yeah, but I chucked them away. This when I was in lockdown, they were just absolutely battered. So they were, yeah. they were bye bye. Um, okay. So, but I'm curious to know if you like the pioneers. I yeah, I don't know. I've never used them. Never yeah. used them. So when when I use them, I haven't played vinyl for. I don't even know how long. I've had records of mine pressed on vinyl, and I've never played them on vinyl. No. Yeah, that's how long I haven't played vinyl for. Yeah. So, do you still do you still carry records around? Not anymore. No. Um I I still buy um I like to buy stuff that's vinyl only and then encode it. Um so to have it that way. Mm. But um no, I I think my days of carrying vinyl around <laughs> the world are <laughs> are over um i'm very i'm very happy playing um aif or wave files i love the sound quality um i love i love working on the pioneers um it's it's a good thing and yeah i i carried vinyl around for so many years (laughs) and especially going through new york with a record record bag on my back through the subways um you know going from party to party and playing and and uh yeah so i um I hold it dear to my heart forever, but I think that time is over for me. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was I had a soul clap on the podcast last week. And, I saw that, and they they still carry vinyl, and I'm like, you are crazy people to just like. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse than carrying vinyl around again, just because of like this. They're so it's so unreliable as well nowadays. Decks in like vinyl decks in clubs are so unreliable because we just know that every DJ's used it as a drinks holder for the last 15 years and they're just like <laughs> never that good um but I don't know what could you even imagine what it was like did you tour with vinyl yes like, yeah seri- I did um I but actually oh gosh let's see I think 2006 I ended up um switching over maybe mm. 2005 I switched over to Serato when oh, okay. Serato came yeah. out and then um and then I switched to Tractor and I did Tractor for a long time with the vinyl encoder yeah and yeah. then I ended up switching to Sync and I did Sync for a long time oh, um a couple of years I'd never like heard the, of Sync. playing internally with the controllers oh, okay yeah 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 Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, not like, yeah, playing internally mm. with the controllers, um, which was fun, but I found that I started to become less and less engaged with yeah. um, sort of spontaneity, and the, I really like the rush yeah. 
of going back between two, you know, two, three, four decks. Yeah. And I just like the feeling. I like it when it goes a little off and you've got to run over yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, get everything on. Like that's what keeps you really engaged and really engaged in what you're doing, mm. you know? And I found that when I was playing internally, I would, I would drink a lot more and I was a little <laughs> bit more kind of, you know, like not, I was a little bit less stressed and I, I kind of need that stress to feel alive yeah. when I play. Um, so so yeah, I uh, I switched to to the pioneers. Um, I I, I did know. some computer when I was like a resident in Ibiza. I did like when I was doing like really long sets. I used to play off my laptop, and it's I found it kind of yeah. It was kind of similar to what you said. It was just like is a disconnect because something about I don't know about you, but for, when I search for records from vi the vinyl days, I'd always look for the cover. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't really recognize records by their name or by the artist. I would just recognize it by their cover. And I still do that today because the, yeah. the little pictures on the Pioneer. And I feel like I could never really do that on laptops. It was always just like, you're just like picking from a playlist. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you're never not like scrolling around and going, oh shit, I've never played, I've not played that record in ages. Let's play that one. It's good. It's going to be a good one. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's strange. And also just the whole sync button thing is just a bit, a bit boring. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I need the rush. We don't do sure. much anyway. As DJs, we don't really do much, do we? We just stand behind <laughs> and push a few buttons. Like I'd like, I like <laughs> to make it a little bit harder. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm quite a busy DJ. Yeah. I, I'm moving around a lot, and I'm doing a lot of different like effects and and looping and layering. I'm, I'm quite busy. Sometimes I'm too busy, and I have to like remember just to take a breath because I can play like, I could play 25, 30 tracks in an hour. Yeah. Like I just go through. I get really in the zone, and I just like to keep moving. And I feel a big connection because people really listen when you're moving fast they're really like listening to the changes and i mean it is kind of a techno thing but yeah. um but uh yeah so but actually tractor uh native is give uh the new tractor goes with pioneer mm, and it yeah. sets into the um to the cdj so they're actually sending me some some gear so i can implement into a hybrid set and That's i'm cool. going to to check it out and see so i might be back on the laptop soon because i can still be engaged on that mm, that makes sense the, yeah yeah because so. they do the record boxing as well don't they um with Pioneer and that's pretty similar you just plug it in and it link it to all of your all of the decks and it's pretty much the same mm. um yeah it's pretty interesting to be fair what they can do yeah but i don't know I <laughs> I, i'm also worried about having my fucking laptop in a club yeah <laughs> that's true i, I know i was yeah i feel like you kind of need a dj laptop like with nothing Separate. else on because if it gets it like my the laptop that i have has is all my production laptop as well so if i was to take that to the club and then somebody spilled a drink on it, game over. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, these days though, aren't those, I mean, nowadays- You're jinxing yourself massively if you say that's not going to happen. 
Well, no, but but I mean, back in the days that I could see that happening a lot more yeah. because they nowadays everything is so professional and you have this booth and it's all closed off and only certain people can come in yeah. and there's all you know what I mean? It's not it's not as a rock star as it used to be. It's not, like, back it? in the days you'd be playing and it would just I would be like rammed up against the booth and, you know, people would be spilling things, setting their drinks next to the yeah. <laughs> turntables and walking away. And it's like nowadays, if somebody sets a drink, there's a security guard there right away you know this kind of stuff so i I think yeah i think it's more safe than it used to be to have that stuff back there what what do you prefer do you prefer how it was or how it is now well i mean (laughs) that's a tough question it is isn't it yeah I don't know. I, I, I think I'm going to always, I'm so grateful for what I've been able to experience in my life and my career. Um, I feel really, really lucky. Um, and, uh, but I do appreciate professional sound booths and good, good audio sound, sound engineers that care Mm. what Mm. it sounds like that want to come and talk to you and get feedback. And, you know, if you say you need something, they fix it right away this kind of stuff is is super nice but i like the raw days too i think for me to, do you like people in the booth with you like partying i do yeah yeah i do i mean i i don't i don't it I'm kind of like a whatever goes kind of person mm. so if i'm there and people want to come in and dance i see some people in the crowd and they they're like can we go up there and i'll let them up as long as they don't talk to me when i play yeah. so like that's only sometimes occasionally occasionally i'll get somebody who doesn't understand that i really need to focus on what i'm doing yeah. <laughs> so and they're you know bless their heart they're super social they want to talk and interact um but yeah i've i've let several times i let um people from the crowd come and mm. stand with me when i play and dance and we feed off each other and give each other energy and that's good. Yeah, I I almost have to have people in the booth. I don't know why. I think I think it's like I kind of just feel like there's the DJ booth is almost a dance floor as well and I want people to be enjoying themselves and I want to be a I think like when with a crowd you can interact with the crowd to a certain extent. Um but when there's somebody behind you like and, it, and you're there super close. It's, some, it's just like an energy that I kind of get off them that I yeah. don't think you get from a, a crowd, unless it's like a really intimate like venue where it's like the DJ you can, the, and you're there. Yeah. 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 Then that's fine too. Yeah. I agree. I, I prefer to have people in there than not in there for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's, um, what's, what's the plan for releases and music and shit like that? Um, well, actually, I just had a, uh, a a couple of things out. I remixed um, Samina on her Cuckoo Records label, mm. um, which was a really cool project that Paul Cockbrenner and Hito and I remixed mm. her uh, Techno Monkey track. That was um, just out a few weeks ago or a month ago. And then last week, um, I did an album, my first album, which I wrote um just before the pandemic started kind of during my maternity leave and my time off and it was actually released the week that everything got shut down like literally the same day so um, 
Oh, it was, it was, a, it was really rough, but you know, at the time there was such bigger things to be worrying about. And, you know, it was such an important moment to be focusing on all staying together mm-hmm. and keeping each other safe and, you know, and um, mentally healthy and this stuff. So I was, it was okay, but it was a really hard pill to swallow, to be prepared. I had prepared, you know, a hybrid live um, set and I was going to be touring and I was supposed to present at the Ableton, um, the Ableton, um, what is their festival called? Anyways, I was going to be a presenter for them Mm. at one of their, um, their conferences and, and everything, just the whole tour, everything got that shut sucks. down within a week. Yeah. So that was, that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, so my friend, the reason why Ledrick, he really loved the main track, uh, Dystopian Love on the album. And he asked if he could do a remix of it. And so he did. And it's super bomb. It's really good. Have I sent it to you? Is it out? It came out like a week yeah, ago. I was, I'm just, gonna... I was just listening to it. It sounds great. Okay. I was listening okay. to it before the... But I haven't got a copy, so yeah, please send me. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that came out, and um, and yeah, actually, I've been touring so much this summer. I haven't yeah. had a lot of time in the studio, so I'm actually wrapping up a new release right now, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. So do you still we'll run see. your? Do you still run your label? Well, oh, this is cool news. Um, so my Clink label is actually having its 15 year anniversary this year. I was going to say I didn't know you ran Clink. Yeah. That was mine. So or what cool. was mine? It was a project I did with uh, with Tim Xavier and mm. another artist, Grant Aaron. And Grant and I owned co-owned the label together. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it in 2011, I think um, we had kind of hit a space with the uh, with the label that minimal had really run its course yeah. for many years, and um, rather than trying to follow the trends or change the sound. I just decided that let's just, let's just put it to bed for yeah. a little while, let it had had its moment. And it was an amazing experience for us and a lot of amazing people. Um, it was such a fun movement. Um, you were a huge we're... part that label was a huge part of that movement. Yeah. Yeah. And I so lucky, like yeah. really, I, I look back on that with just, so, so it makes my heart no, I bet. go because yeah. it, it was such a good time. And, and I was so grateful to be in that position, but it was time to take a break. Um, so actually I recently, uh, started working again with Tim Xavier, who's doing a remaster of all of the releases oh, really? and we're, yeah, we're going to re, um, re-upload it across all the platforms with the new masters and design some new, um, some new releases for it. Mm. And yeah, so we're, we're super excited to do that and kind of, um, bring it back to people i get all the time people are asking me for old vinyls yeah, and <laughs> all of this stuff so yeah we're we're working on that right now did is the minimal scene like coming back i kind of feel like it is i feel Do you like feel it, it yeah i feel like it is as well i feel like there needs to be something like that that comes back because at yeah. this moment in time i don't know how you feel about the techno world at this moment in time but I feel like there needs to be a bit of a change up personally. Yeah. I mean, it always kind of happens this way though, you know, like a a sound gets, you know, there's a couple artists that, that really bring something to life and then it inspires a lot of people and they want to get involved and, and 
get inspired to make music and be a part of it. And then at some point the haters come in and start saying it's boring and mundane and stuff. Um, But I mean, techno has been around forever. It's not going anywhere. It might have its, you know, hot moments and it's harder moments, but I think from, you know, what I've seen, it always kind of goes like this. So everybody gets, and I think, especially with the pandemic, people really techno was already getting so huge but then people really where they were at home yeah they needed to feel this energy and you know in all the all of the live streams started getting faster and faster <laughs> i was up to like 147 at one point yeah. i think and then i got back in the club and i was like 134 is fine let's, let's chill this out a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and i was like trying to mix super fast and i was like can just you know cool. See, yeah. one, 134 <laughs> is fast for me like i i wouldn't i wouldn't really class myself as like a, a quintessential techno artist um i play like a bit slower um and the stuff yeah. i make isn't really it's like a hybrid between i don't know what it, what i would even class it as to be fair because i don't know if it is techno um <laughs> I think that makes a good DJ though, that a DJ that doesn't classify themselves specifically, that a, you know plays to what their connection is with mm. the people and what the vibe is. I mean, you can be a techno artist and still go and play a great 125 BPM party if you're a good DJ and you have good yeah. taste in music. That's what that's and what I, I want to hear. That's that's what I kind of. I, there's a lot of DJs out there that do that, but I think that's what's happened in the commercialization of dance music and scenes is that I'm going to a techno party tonight and I'm going to hear techno or I'm going to go to a tech house party tonight and all I'm going to hear is tech house. Um, And that's all I want to hear. And I think that's what I kind of miss to a certain extent. And I like, for me is that I, I struggle with it myself as well because I, I don't know about you, but, Put get like I I'm starting to get booked on like techno lineups and I don't play quintessential oh. techno if that makes sense. But are they asking you to play techno or are they putting a no, I guess first line just, on it? I guess they're just asking me to play me. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I won't play what somebody okay. asked me to play. For me personally, as a festival goer, if I go to a stage, I don't want to hear the exact same mm. sound for ten hours. I want to hear what that artist has to offer and I want it to be different. I mean, I get really lit up when a different artist comes on the stage and plays a completely different vibe than the artist before. I mean, if it's, if it's good music, it's good music. Mm. That's the bottom line. What about a club show? Hmm? What about a club show? What do you mean? Like, cause festivals are like festivals are festival, but club show, do you, do you want a diverse lineup in a, in a club as well? Or do you think it yeah. should be like more of a journey? So you have like, or, or what's your thoughts on that? I think it should totally be a journey. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, sorry, my nice whiteness. No. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I actually, when I go into a club and I'm going to play, if I don't like it, if the opening DJ is already starting mm. Here, you know, I think it should build up, and 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 yeah, I feel totally feel that a, a diverse lineup is a good lineup mm. for sure. Yeah, I do you like play? How long do you do you like playing really long sets, or are you specific? 
couple of hours. It depends on the party. I mean, you know, it depends on the party and uh, my back. (laughs) 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 Because if the booth is in a certain way, you know, after three hours, you're like, wow. Uh, (laughs) Like I'm like stretching, but, um, but yeah, no, it just depends on the party. I could go for a super long time. If in Berlin, it's usually a minimum of four hours, Mm, like when you're playing Sissy Fuss and and Berghain and these kind of places. So, um, so I can easily not look at the clock for Mm. four hours and be really in the zone. Um, But uh, yeah, it just depends. Yeah. You know, how many shows I've had that week. <laughs> Have you played Trezor? Yeah. I've never been, but I really want to go. It's awesome. Yeah, my, yeah. my housemate plays there. He's played there a few times. And there's, like, I want, obviously, I want to go to Bergain and I want to go to, there's lots of places. But Trezor, for me, I don't know why. It's just something about that club that looks unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Mm. It's super... It's super exciting to be there, just even going through sort of the maze um, of the uh, to get to the downstairs techno room. I always play upstairs. I don't play quite hard enough for the downstairs one. Uh, <laughs> I love Berlin. Upstairs. I love Berlin. It's just like, <laughs> like you're not hard enough. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, love. <laughs> yeah, you're upstairs. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is funny because actually I could do it, but um, usually I'm I'm a little bit uh, slower upstairs and. Mm. The upstairs room is awesome. It has a void audio system and it's really great. Nice. Nice. Great club. Yeah. Um, well, if you got show wise coming up or are you done? Um, this weekend I play in Seattle here. Nice. Um, which Whereabouts? Is, yeah. At the monkey monkey lot. Okay. At, this isn't this weekend people. This was last weekend. Cause this is coming out on Tuesday next week okay so, so you would have just weekend. played this amazing show at monkey craft in seattle <laughs> that's, that's i've never said a sentence like that last weekend i'm playing <laughs> <laughs> in monkey loft <laughs> how was how was monkey loft i bet it was amazing <laughs> i heard it was amazing <laughs> um yeah and then um this week yeah next week this week i'm playing um I'm playing in Phoenix oh, cool. and then at Flash, what day? DC. What day are you playing in Wednesday. Phoenix? Are you there? What day? Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Are you, are you staying? Day? Huh? Are you staying in Phoenix? No, I go, I'm actually going to DC for two nights and then I play Flash on Friday. <sighs> I play Phoenix on Friday. No. Yeah. But what? are we playing September? Is that rescheduled? Are you playing that show? Are you coming? Could you make that show in Philly? Yeah. Well, it's on. It, it's actually it's even listed like on my Spotify and Sick. stuff. So I hope that we're we're doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're. Yeah. We're we're doing it. I just I didn't realize you could make the reschedule. Um, yeah, I totally can. Is Carlo doing it as well? I don't know. Me neither. I have no idea. Ah, uh, this can be a good show. That. I was so bummed. So anybody that's listening, we, Kamea, Carlo, Leo, and myself, were supposed to be playing Phoenix Deep Brunch. When was that supposed to be? I played so many shows yeah, this summer. It I, was don't... Like, I don't know. It was a, it was a month ago, yeah. put it that way. I think it was in early July or something. Yeah, and then it got rained off. I was so annoyed with that. 
I was super bummed too. Like I arrived and they picked me up at the airport and they were like, we have really bad news. And I could see, I, and then I looked at the weather and yeah. it was the same. Cause I played the next, the same night in New York and yeah. they had to remove the, or they had to remove, they had to move the party um, from outdoor to indoor. And it was just a hard weekend for all of the events, I think. Yeah. Which was really a bummer. Cause I know they put a lot of time into it. Sucks so. to be a promoter and, when you're doing outside parties but i'm i think september will be good because it's the start of the fall well is it the fall it is the fall september right yeah i think so i don't know but it'll be good because i like philly it won't be too hot right i was surprised at how hot it was when i arrived there it's super humid out there isn't it as well yeah I'd never been there. It was my first time, actually. I, it's practically the same as, like, weather-wise, it's the same as New York, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Just sweaty in the summer, cold in the winter. <laughs> Sick. Um, how can people, let's wrap this up, how can people follow you, do all of the promo stuff, listen to your music and all of that? Well, the best place is Spotify. <laughs> that, that sigh. <laughs> Have you heard of it? That sigh was the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh we hate doing promo don't we jesus yeah no it's all good i mean we talked about the release upcoming clink um and then other stuff i'm just gonna have to announce as i'm wrapping up my uh tracks i've been working on this summer mm. um which is pretty much all techno i'm do i'm doing a tech house remix for a friend in berlin um but yeah everything is everything's out and on spotify Sick. and all the web platforms so before we before we go i'm i'm still i've still been trying to work this out the whole time okay techno from seattle like the techno that you make is is amazing where did this oh. where did this come in your life from being in the suburbs of seattle I know, right? Like, it's, this, really weird. it's weird. But I like I'm it. Like, I'm all for it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I, you know, okay, so I um, I grew up in, in school bands and mm. doing piano. Um, I studied really heavily piano for 11 years. And I immediately, I remember from an extremely young age, like under five, young, mm. I loved Beethoven. Like okay. he was my man. <laughs> I that wasn't was expecting jam. you to say that at all. Beethoven <laughs> <laughs> was my jam. And I was like, like my, I was expecting I, you to say like Jerry Beltram or something like that. And I was like, yeah, okay, no, Beethoven. Beethoven. Okay. Like, yeah. And, um, and I remember even being at like our neighbor's house who had a jukebox with oldies and then being like, what song do you want to hear? And I would be like, I don't like rock music. I like Beethoven. That was my thing. I just, the drama of the music, it was mm. very dark, it was very emotional. And it's just what I connected with since I was very young. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, you know, fast forward to college when I got into raves and, um, I think it was just the same kind of low end dramatic mm. music mm. with big breaks and, you know, this kind of stuff. And then when I, when I started shopping at Platinum Records in Seattle, which is now long closed, um, I just started getting my hands on German techno records. And uh, I was actually buying German techno records before I was really into Detroit techno uh, really? or anything. Yeah. yeah, I just I just totally got it. Like I just connected with it. It was my sound. It was very minimal. I just felt this. I felt connected to the space in it mm. and sort of the vibe. And yeah, and I just ended up defining my life by it which Amazing. is pretty I love that I'm pretty lucky 
Yeah. It's it's always interesting to see how people have kind of found because most most genres like you a lot of people find their sound when they go to like a major city, right? And they kind of get influenced by people around them but there's something special when somebody like self is just like just found it by yourself and was like yeah i'm in take my money we're in let's let's go on this roller coaster yeah it's pretty much the complete opposite of where i'm from (laughs) maybe that has something to do with it too i don't know it's it's the same for me is where i'm actually from is in the uk is the middle of nowhere like there's not a shop like I live in the countryside, I've got farms by me and everything like that. So it's cool. like it's yeah, it's it was the same for me. But it's so it's kind of nice to hear that because it was it was very similar similar situation for me. It's like go into a record store that's random and finding house music really. Yeah, and how old were you when you you started quite young? No. Yeah, I, I think my brother used to listen to like really cheesy like dance music. So that was kind of like the first introduction. But then first time I bought house and techno was, I was like 13, I think, mm. from from a record store. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Do you know, do you know Sam Devine? You heard of her? Yeah. So yeah. I used to buy my records from her. She's from the same area as, as me and she worked oh. in a record shop. Um, did you have a crush on her then? I did. I think, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's be honest, like record shops, <laughs> record shops weren't the friendliest of places until you knew everyone in them. Right. I still to this day get a little terrified before I walk into a record. Yeah. store. What is that? Why? Well, Why I th- is that? I, th- I think there's ego in the air. And yeah. I don't mean that in a horrible way. I think there's just an, like the, the record shop guys and girls know every record in there. And they've like studied yeah. everything and they know where it's from. They know what record label it's from. They're that proper heads. Like they know way much more music than I do. Yeah. And I think that was the thing. It was, you had to build a relationship up with them and before you, it's like a tattoo shop. I don't know if you have tattoos, but like every time <laughs> exactly. I go in, every time I go into a tattoo shop, I get nervous and it's because. Yeah, it's true. Mm, yeah. Yes. And I, I find them very similar. They're very similar um, kind of dynamics. I often, I have five tattoos yeah. and I often feel like my tattoo artists like don't even like me. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're, you're a cheese ball, get out of here. Yeah, you're not cool, you're not cool enough for us. Yeah, you, it's, and that's the thing. I think it was the same thing with record shops. So when, when I was... 13 years old rocking up and this where i'm from in the uk it's all it's the southwest so it's Mm. drum and bass and back then it was drum and bass dubstep wasn't even around then it was just coming in um yeah and a lot of hardcore and like happy hardcore and just like awful music (laughs) (laughs) so all the guys all the guys that sold records in the shop were into how like happy hardcore and like drum and bass and jungle yeah and sam was the only house head in there so like she would just like save me records like eventually when you get to know people in record shops they start saving you like the white labels and things like that but that's how it all started for me but yeah they they were good times they were good times. Cool. So you had turntables already? 
Yeah, I bought ton- turntables when I was 13. Yeah. And you were mixing and everything yeah. at 13. Yeah. Oh, just totally on your own. Like you bought no, I, them. I went to, like- uh, I went to this like, so I, my parents were always like really supportive and I knew I wanted to be like a DJ when I was like nine. I used to do like weddings and stuff like that and just like stupid That's parties. Awesome. Yeah. I um, love that. That's then, cool. I didn't really know how to fully DJ. So there yeah. was this there was this thing in the UK called the DJ Academy, which it was just this company that would go around cities and do like 10 week courses in different cities. Oh my God. I love this story. And you'd so you you paid, I think it was like a 10, I don't know how much it was. I think it was like 500 quid. So I like worked at, at a fish and chip shop and kind of saved up my money. Um, that was my first job. The best fish and job. Chips. Best. Uh, of course, you're Seattle, aren't you? Yeah, that yeah. was my first job. What what what? Did I loved you, it. What what was your role? I love role? flipping fish. See, huh? I n- I never cooked. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get good enough to cook. I was always just. I was just wrapping in the, at the front or washing in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. You know, everything moving so fast. I yeah. guess that's why I DJ too. I, I think I'm calm when everything's moving fast around me because I I think so fast. You know. Yeah. And every, everything's going. Yeah, when everything's going fast, I'm like. Uh, so. <laughs> <Peace>. <laughs> yeah. so anyway you're telling me yeah and uh, then so I did this course for like 10 weeks and I got there and it was a bunch of like older guys and girls that would I was like I was 13 years old I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing I didn't know really how to turn on a pair of decks I've never really played with a pair of decks by then um yeah and they yeah they they te- they taught you they put you up into like beginner medium or like good and they taught you everything they didn't just teach you how to dj they it was like they taught you about how to record a, a set to like and then they taught you how to like make your own flyers and it was just like a whole thing it was so fucking oh my cool God. yeah so you did like you learned design too yeah you did like loads of little things like that for like 10 weeks Amazing. and then at the end of it we all threw a party together um i love this yeah. and you were this is when you were 13 yeah um was it all 13 year olds or were there no, like it was all like 30 year olds <laughs> and me <laughs> can you please like make a re a recreation of this like uh, a tv show or something it was <laughs> fucking hilarious if you look back at it, i'm like jesus christ who the like who i'm friends with, i'm still friends with some of them i still i'm yeah. still in touch with with a few of them um, can you remember DJ Trickster? Mm-mm. He held the like world record for like six deck mixing. Oh my god! He, he no. was he was one of the te- he was one of the teachers um, on the course, which was kind okay. of amazing. But it was, and then you had like a hip hop a hip hop DJ that was like been in the DMCs and like taught you how to scratch and things like that. And yeah, it just all started from there, really. Cool. That sounds awesome. I mean, I love that. I, I love how passionate you were at such a young age and you kind of already knew uh, what you Mm. wanted to do. And I think I I love that. I think that's so great. And I wish that, you know, kids had more freedom to, to find those things for themselves, you know, at that age. I totally agree. I think I, I was so lucky and I still, I am, I'm still super lucky now. Um, like, for my whole life I've always known what I wanted to do and yeah I know that's not that's not common at all um 
What about you? What was it like for you? I, it was it was also really clear. My first, mm. um, I, it was, I didn't actually, I mean, because I've always been a musician, I was just a super music nerd. Yeah. Like I loved all the other kids were taking different electives in school and I would take anything I could do with band. Mm. And then I would take instruments into the practice rooms and just learn them. So I could play like 11 instruments oh, by wow. the time I graduated high school like I was it was just my thing yeah I got it um I like I said I, I love music because you can really like how fast it, everything's moving yeah. and um and just just how it feels when you play music it just feels so good that's my sort of special happy mm. place is playing music um it's my zone and so um so I naturally I mean the first time I heard an electronic music tape, of course, being a traditional music musician, I was like, that's not music. That doesn't take talent. You know, <laughs> I had that, that, <laughs> yeah, totally. And I would have debates with my friends. And then of course they're like, come to a rave, yeah. come to a party. And this was like 1996, mm. I think. Uh, I was 97 and I went and, you know, from the moment I walked in and I felt that sound system on yeah. my body. I was just like, oh, this is, this is it. Yeah, I loved it. But I didn't, I was very curious about the act of DJing, but it, it didn't, it didn't become clear to me until I saw my first female DJ in mm. uh, Vancouver, Canada. And that was Jackie Christie. And she was from New York mm. and she was with Nervous Records. She was doing stuff with them Classic. and she came over. Hmm? Classic. Love that. Record. Yeah. And uh, she came out and she opened up with, uh, I must have been a hard house version of um, Aretha Franklin. Respect, really? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was just like, "This is it." <laughs> Sold. <laughs> yeah, and that moment—it was weird. It was just that that moment. Everything that I had thought I wanted to do with my life just completely changed. Mm. And I was like, and I was just watching her with my jaw open and standing there, and I was. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to do what she does. And I watched her. I watched her at the after party. And I was just like one of those nerdy people just standing. Like, I couldn't even dance. Yeah. Like, my jaw was just open. And I was like, she's amazing. And yeah, um, and she inspired me. And I started DJing after that. How important is it for you to, like, have other female people with you in the same industry? How important? Yeah. Because it is a very male-dominated industry. But... Do you yeah. feel, do you, do you, I don't know kind of how to word it, but I guess, yeah, how important is it to you to see another female DJ be successful and kind of do what they want? Is it the same feeling as when a guy is or, or when a female, is it like a little bit different? I, you know, it's been, it's been really amazing these last years. What, because when I, my my era like the clink era the main stage guys well, who was that at the time it was like richie hotton sven vase yeah. sven vase uh ricardo villalobos yeah. marco carolla um it was just like the same men over and over and i love like they're all um artists that i've i've looked up to and been inspired yeah. by and you know um 
and but it was just owned by men for so long and then when this sort of new school girls started coming in and taking the same kind of promotional strategies and things like this that the that the men were doing and they leveled the playing field and so and to watch these women owning the stages yeah. and like you know headlining slots that were just completely unavailable to to me um in in the mid 2000s you know and um and it's been really cool yeah, it's really really amazing and i'm i'm super happy i mean we <laughs> we spent a lot of years struggling and fighting just to get an opening slot so it's been really nice to um to be a part of that progression and help open doors for the younger women to come in and, and have these um, spots on the stage. It's yeah. been super, super cool. Yeah. It's, I'm it's, super happy to see it and to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, it's been great. I think it's really important the way the industry is moving. I think it is, it's, it needed to happen at the end of the day. Um, well, yeah. Why wouldn't it? Exactly. You know, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. And I, I I, I don't know. I can't answer this as a guy, but do you think it was purposely done or do you just think it was like, what, what do you think it was about? No, I don't. Uh, honestly, I just, I just think, I mean, it's not, it wasn't just music. I mean, mm. women, we've been, we've been pushing for equality yeah. for so long. Um, and the, you know, the advances that have been made in the last 50, 60 years are just like, this is so awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a worldwide thing and um, all industries had, I think the same issues and then all industries have had is seen a huge shift in um, women becoming very powerful and, um, and um, being accepted at, at, you know, powerful levels. And I, it's nice. Um, so it's important. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's super important mm -hmm. because it's, it brings such a different dynamic to the to the world, but also to our industry. I think at the end of the day, um, yeah, everyone. I think. Have you played um, Halcyon in San Francisco? No, I played the old Halcyon in New York, okay. but that was many years yeah. ago in Brooklyn. <laughs> so Halcyon's owned by like three women, um, and it's run by three women, and it's just a different vibe. And it would never be that vibe if it was run by three guys. It just would. It definitely wouldn't be. And I think it's really important to to be able to just be like, "All right, guys, let's just let's just allow it. Let's just make it happen and make it easy for everyone to just to because there's there's so much good art out there. It's it doesn't have to be about who they are and what kind of if they're male female or whatever they they want to kind of identify as um i just don't get why it's been such an issue really yeah i i don't know i mean i've aside from i think <clears throat> there being um a specific dominance on the main stages mm. um for a long time um outside of that i've i've actually always found our music seemed to be very inclusive. Um, it was just always for me, or if I think for a lot of artists, just that upper echelon was very like mono, yeah. uh, mono 
cultural monochromatic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the well, word. <laughs> Sorry. Men. Um, it's full of men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, on, on the same token, I, I think it's also been um, incredibly inclusive and diverse. And that's what I've always loved yeah. about it. It's just all the different people that you meet and the interesting conversations. And everybody has a different story and a different mm-hmm. struggle and um, just wants to be seen on the same on the same level and um and just just wants to kick it and be there and that's what i love about the dance music community um totally is how open it is so totally yeah i like it let's wrap it up we've just done an hour and 15 minutes whoa that was fast it went quick didn't it (laughs) always goes quick on these things um thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it it's been really nice to talk um can't wait to see you in september yeah, I'm excited too. Keep safe. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon. Bye. And that's a wrap. Huge love to everybody listened. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share it. Keep safe. See you next time. <laughs>